You're listening to Central Time here on the Ideas Network. I'm Rob Ferris. Coming up, a Wisconsin doctor tells us what we need to know about the new COVID boosters. Now it's the Wisconsin Public Radio Fall Member Drive, and Strange Champs joins me in the studio. You rely on WPR for informative, interesting conversations. We rely on you to keep programs like this one going strong. Listener support is the largest source of funding for Wisconsin Public Radio programs. You have heard us say that a hundred times, I bet, but that doesn't make it any less true. Your gift of any amount right now really does make a difference. So give at WPR.org or pick up the phone and call us at 888-202-2552. And Rob, we have something exciting going on, right? That's right. It's a great time to give right now because we have a dollar-for-dollar match, a big one, up to $3,000. This generous match is from current members, including a member in Unity. It means they're going to match every dollar that you give. So that is listeners' way of encouraging you to join them, other listeners in supporting Wisconsin Public Radio, and it means you can double your support right now. This is such a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. So jump in. The water's warm. (laughs) WPR.org or 888-202-2552. You appreciate listening to Wisconsin Public Radio in part because we are commercial-free, and that means we depend on other sources of funding. State, uh, federal, business sponsors, they are important, but there's one source that's super important you're never going to guess what it is <laughs> it is you the largest piece of funding for wisconsin public radio comes from listeners it is your support that makes all the difference it is the backbone of how things work here and we wouldn't have it any other way because we want this service to be primarily responsible and responsive to you so when you give you are keeping quality independent news talk and information on the air make your gift now at wpr.org or 888-202-2552 your gift is a key part of support for wisconsin public radio and today only ask for your wpr key chain when you lock in your support for wpr with a gift of eight dollars a month or more This key ring features an embroidered radio tower and a shout out, of course, to your favorite radio station. Available today only, so get yours now with a gift of $8 a month or more online at WPR.org or call 888-202-2552. Quick update. We've got $360 in the door, $2,640 left to match. You could be one of the people whose gifts gets doubled if you call now at 888-202-2552. Supporting Wisconsin Public Radio is such a good thing to do, and especially because you do an awful lot in a really short period of time. It takes like two minutes to make a contribution. You'll give us your name, contact information, how much you'd like to give, how you want to pay. And That's then, it. then your gift supports the stories and the programs that will keep you connected to Wisconsin and the world. Give now at WPR.org or call 888-202-2552. That dollar-for-dollar match is in effect for the rest of this hour or until we meet it, which could go quickly. We've got about $2,600 left to match. Give now at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. And your support of Wisconsin Public Radio will go twice as far. Take advantage of that dollar-for-dollar match and get the new WPR keychain it's a special edition key ring featuring an embroidered radio tower patch available today only 
Ask for yours now with a gift of $8 a month or more at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. And while you are taking care of business, while you are helping with that dollar-for-dollar match and signing up for your keychain, go ahead and become a sustainer, too. It is super easy to do. You make ongoing monthly donations from your bank account or your credit card. It means your support will always be up to date and you will always be a signed-up member of Wisconsin Public Radio. Take care of it all at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. Tenzin in Sun Prairie says, I love starting my morning with Kate and then getting much-needed afternoon inspiration from Rob and guests. Tenzin, thanks so much. Glad you're with us morning and afternoon, and thank you so much for giving. How about you? How often do you listen to Wisconsin Public Radio? How much do you count on Wisconsin Public Radio for news and information and connection well, put a dollar value on that and make your very important gift right now at WPR.org or call 888-202-2552. And thank you so much for supporting Wisconsin Public Radio. This is Central Time. There's a new COVID booster available to the public after the CDC approved the new shot earlier this month. The booster, recommended for everybody six months and older, comes as cases are on the rise around the country with wastewater across Wisconsin showing very high levels of coronavirus. But there have been some shipping and supply issues with the new shot. You can join in at 800-642-1234. you have questions about the new booster? Have you gotten it yet? Have you had trouble finding an appointment or has your appointment been canceled? Join in at 800-642-1234. That's 800-642-1234 or email ideas at WPR.org. Dr. Jim Conway is a professor in the Divisions of Infectious Diseases and Global Pediatrics at the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health. Dr. Conway, welcome back to Central Time. Thanks, Rob. Great to be back with you. Why a new booster and why now? Well, you know, this is the fall and this is when respiratory viral season picks up and So we've been modeling and forecasting that similar to what happens with influenza and RSV, that we would start to see this rise in cases. A lot of it has to do with people's behavior and how things sort of go as we get into these winter months. And as we had predicted, this is indeed what's happening. You know, the other piece of it, obviously, is then how much immunity do people have? And as we've all learned over these three years of dealing with uh, SARS-CoV-2, you know, these things keep making mistakes as they replicate and they keep emerging with new mutations. And so while most of us have some immunity, either from vaccines or from previous infections or both, that immunity doesn't necessarily hold up. And so this is a way of basically either reminding or prompting the immune system to be a little bit more tuned into these new variants as they're starting to circulate. With that in mind, can you talk about the design of this new booster? It's built around one particular variant, as I understand it, Dr. Conway, but it'll give protection across against a lot of the latest makes and models of COVID-19. Exactly. So as people have been aware, you know, we went through the Delta strain and now we're down to the Omicron strain. What we've seen is that the new mutations all seem to be deriving from this Omicron variant uh, that had kind of started this rolling. And so as you're hearing about these things, most of these new strains are actually all just variations on a theme. So back in the, I guess, spring, um, everybody kind of got together at WHO, CDC and others and had decided that this XBB 1.5 variant was a good starting point. We've certainly seen evolution and now we have the EG5 um, as well as the uh, BA 2.86, but both of those are just uh, derivatives of that Omicron 
XBB 1.5. So the good news is that even though the XBB 1.5 isn't as prevalent, it gives enough cross protection to these other strains that this is still going to hold up pretty well, it looks like. Now, people will ask themselves when a new booster comes out, uh, is this meant for me? Should I go out and get this thing? Uh, what's the answer to that? Yeah, I mean, the easy answer is that it made sense to basically recommend it for everybody, you know, and at, at some level, except for the little babies and, and smaller kids that don't have any uh, previous immune experience with COVID. You know, when we look at, at the data that's out there, it really looks like about 97% of Americans in, in kind of the adult and adolescent age groups have either had COVID or vaccine or both. And so what we really realized is that everybody sort of deserved an opportunity to get a little bit of a, of a nudge with that existing immunity that they had to sort of push it in direction of being able to protect against this. So the recommendation is really, you know, that everybody um, should get at least a dose of this. Then, as I mentioned, you know, the young kids without any immune experience need a, a couple of doses. Uh, people with uh, compromised immune systems probably need a little bit more oomph, and so they need multiple doses. But for the vast majority of people, basically a single dose, the way we get a single dose of our flu vaccine in the fall, seems to be the right answer to give people enough immunity so that if and when they do come into contact with this, they won't have severe and significant infection. As I understand it, Dr. Conway, less than a, about 20 percent of Americans actually got the last round of boosters. Uh, they came out uh, last fall-ish. Are you hoping we'll see a higher uptake this time around? Yeah, I think we're predicting and pretty optimistic about what we're hearing already. I think there was a lot of confusion, to be honest, with, mm -hmm. you know, especially that bivalent booster. Uh, it got really confusing for everybody, including those of us even in the medical community, trying to figure out exactly who needed what. Um, you know, some people had had two doses, some had had three. This was going to be some people's fourth dose or their fifth dose. And so, you know, I think with the levels of disease we had, as well as the sort of mixed messaging, you know, a lot of people just didn't act on it because it wasn't clear what to do. Um, I think it was appropriate to sort of take a pause. Uh, and what we're seeing so far is, you know, really pretty robust interest in this, uh, you know, in a lot of good polling, including from the Kaiser Family Foundation that really does broad outreach into the general population, you know, that at least half of Americans, uh, you know, feel like this is something that they're going to act on. We know that the older po population, the same group that's very good about getting their flu vaccines, are also very eager to get this additional immunity. So I do think that it looks like we're going to be more successful. And a lot of it is that it's just better messaging. It's a lot clearer and cleaner for people and makes it a lot easier to understand. We're talking about the latest updated COVID booster vaccine. Our guest is infectious disease expert Dr. Jim Conway with the UW School of Medicine and Public Health. You can join in if you like at 800-642-1234. Do you have questions about the COVID booster? Have you gotten it already? And our guest is a pediatrician. He can answer questions about COVID vaccines and kids. Join in at 800-642-1234. That's 800-642-1234 or email ideas at WPR.org. We'll pick up the conversation coming up here on Central Time. This is Central Time. I'm Rob Ferrett. We're talking about the updated COVID booster with Dr. Jim Conway, infectious disease expert at the UW School of Medicine and Public Health. You can join in with your questions for our guest at 800-642-1234 or your experience seeking this booster, 800-642-1234. Dr. Conway, I understand this one's being distributed a little differently than usual instead of uh, the federal government buying it and then uh, shipping it around. This is going straight from the pharmaceutical companies to uh, the drug stores. There have been supply chain problems. Even one of our producers has had an appointment, 
a week in advance, arrived, and they'd run out of vaccine. They had to cancel a bunch of appointments. Uh, how much of a worry is the uh, supply chain on this one? Yeah, it's been a tricky rollout, and we kind of thought that this is what, how this was going to go. You know, as you mentioned, the federal government was sort of running the whole show when we were under those emergency orders and, you know, announced early in the year that this was essentially going going to revert into the typical kind of commercial version of this. And the way that works then is obviously things go through people having to purchase and then get these vaccines into systems. You know, it's interesting because the commercial pharmacies, as was mentioned, you know, basically get first crack at these things because they actually do get their supply through the federal government still. But I think people always need to remember that the process is really that they manufacture these things. But FDA actually has to then clear every group of doses, every pallet um, that comes out, and then those move out from the federal government to the commercial pharmacies. For the rest of us in typical health systems, they move you know, from the companies through FDA approval, then through sort of central distribution places, and then out into you know, each of the health systems. So that's the kind of norm. But the problem was is that while some of this stuff was ready to go, they couldn't start moving it until the approvals finally came through from the FDA and the CDC. So we knew that this was going to take a couple of weeks. You know, I think one of the things people need to be aware of in a mildly cynical approach to things is that you know, those big commercial pharmacies are, of course, going to announce immediately that they're going to open up appointments, and they've got a vested interest in getting people in to buy other things as well. But they, I think, were a little bit overly optimistic how things went before when the federal government was controlling everything, that it was going to go as quickly. But it really will eventually smooth out. We expect that, you know, these shipments are going to pick up over the next couple of weeks. And so I think what everybody was originally gearing towards was that this would be an October campaign. So while people have been successful in some places scoring a dose of vaccine before that, you know, we really had always planned on this being sort of starting hopefully by October 1st and really sort of picking up its tempo as we get into the middle of October. Let's bring on a caller now. Randy is with us in West Allis. Randy, hi. How you doing? Good. What do you want to ask about, Randy? I'd like to ask, uh, I'm planning on getting the shot and I want to get the flu, the regular flu shot and the RSV shot at the same time. Is that possible? Yeah, it's certainly possible if you can find a place that has all of them at the same time. Um, one thing to just be aware of is obviously with each of these vaccines, there come some side effects that are you know usually pretty mild, but can be a little achy. Your arm will be sore, obviously, and some people do get a little bit of low-grade fever. So if you do them all at the same time, you know, just be aware that there may be a little bit of compounding of those side effects. You may feel a little crummy for a couple of days. You know, if you've got the luxury of being able to take a little bit of time off and be able to put your feet up, then that'll work well. You know, certainly you don't want to miss opportunities to get vaccines either. So if you do schedule and hope to get all three, but not all three are there, you know, certainly jump on the ones that you can get, and then you can get the other ones at a, at a future date. You know, we don't want people delaying this and delaying this to try to to sort of uh, optimize it and get all three at the same time and end up then, in, then with a bottleneck and a logjam of people. So it's certainly reasonable to do it if you can get them. And again, you know, making sure that you're prepared for it. But I wouldn't uh, hold out and, and wait too long. We know that there's already flu in the communities. RSV is starting to pop up here and there. And obviously COVID's out there as well. So um, it is important for people to just get moving on this stuff as soon as they can. Randy, thanks for that call. And Dr. Conway, people are familiar with these COVID vaccines. Uh, the flu vaccine, of course, has been around for a long time. RSV may be new to people. What are the recommendations as to who might want to get that RSV vaccine? 
Sure. So this has been kind of a holy grail thing in my world, actually, around um, respiratory viruses. Respiratory syncytial virus is what RSV stands for. And, you know, it was a disease that we always focused on being really severe in, in premature babies. But I think that it was sort of one of those under-recognized problems that we actually over the COVID pandemic and even you know a little bit before that, as more testing became available, we started realizing that this one not only struck little babies, but actually also victimized older individuals just like flu and COVID do. And so a number of companies have now come up with uh, RSV vaccines for that over 60 population. Um, it's you know a vaccine that has been um, now offered, and especially for people that are at high risk, basically the same group of people that are at high risk for having bad outcomes from COVID should really think about um, RSV as being something that they add to their armamentarium of protection. You know, the other kind of confusing part of this is that um, there's also a newer product for the young babies that's now universally recommended for all the newborns because we also discovered over the last five to 10 years that RSV doesn't just hit those premature kids, that more than half the kids hospitalized with RSV are actually completely normal newborns and young babies. So we've got things now at both ends of the age spectrum. Um, and I really would think of RSV as being similar to flu and to COVID is that, you know, for, for normal healthy people in their kind of middle ages, you know, probably not as severe a, a disease, but it's really those older individuals and then those young kids where these things can be a problem. Thanks again for that call, Randy. Dr. Conway, with the new COVID vaccine, uh, what's the cost situation? As I understand it, insurances are supposed to cover it, uh, and there's a program to help the uninsured. What's going on? Yeah, so, you know, we've obviously with the Affordable Care Act, you know, driven people towards having health insurance. But, you know, we know that there's probably 25 to 30 million adults that still fall through the crap, cracks and either don't have health insurance or have health insurance of some type that doesn't cover COVID vaccine costs. So the CDC does have funding for what's called the Bridge Access Program, and that basically is a no-cost program to provide COVID vaccines to people that meet eligibility criteria. You can just go to vaccines.gov, um, which is a kind of one-stop shopping site that'll actually direct people to the providers then that can provide those COVID vaccines to people through that bridge access program. So while we knew this was going to sort of shift into a more traditional vaccine marketplace, you know, people knew that we really needed to optimize this and make sure we didn't let anybody fall through the cracks. So that bridge, bridge access program um, is supposed to pick up that slack. And again, that's at vaccines.gov to get more information for people that are either underinsured or don't have health insurance that covers vaccines. Dr. Conway, thanks again for joining us today. Thanks, Rob. Always a pleasure. That's Dr. Jim Conway, professor in the divisions of infectious diseases and global pediatrics at the UW School of Medicine and Public Health. He joined us for a look at the latest on the updated COVID booster. Now to the Wisconsin Public Radio Fall member drive and Strange Champs is here with me to raise the money that pays for the programs that you count on, programs like this one. Support from people like you is the largest piece of funding for WPR programs, and that's why your support right now is such a big deal online at WPR.org or with a phone call at 888-202-2552. Hey, Rob, we have something special going on this hour. We have a dollar-for-dollar dollar match in effect from current members, including a member in Unity. And what that means is that when you give $50, that turns into 100 100 becomes 200 
and so on. And right now, we've got about $2,300 left to be matched. So take advantage of this match. Double your support for Wisconsin Public Radio by giving right now. And you can take care of that at WPR.org or by calling 888-202-2552. Now, last conversation, we got the latest on the newest COVID booster vaccine, and it's part of a long series of conversations from uh, the first signs that something serious was happening in China through the development of COVID and on now into the present day. We've been trying to bring you uh, informed, helpful, useful advice from our great Uh, roster of medical experts here in Wisconsin and beyond. It's the kind of service you can count on here at Wisconsin Public Radio. Maybe you found yourself thinking about something in a new way after you've listened to Wisconsin Public Radio. Well, you can count on hearing multiple points of view on these talk shows, thanks to the producers who track down all kinds of interesting and knowledgeable guests, like the doctor we just heard from. Wisconsin Public Radio is listener-supported, and that means you make eye-opening programs possible when you give at WPR.org or 888 202-2552. couple extra great reasons to give right now. One, that dollar-for-dollar dollar match still in effect. Your gift can be doubled. And we've got a special thank you gift, a limited edition WPR keychain. When you give $8 a month or more, it's got an embroidered patch that features a shout-out to your favorite radio service. It's a great way to keep your keys together and show off your love for Wisconsin Public Radio. Give now online at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. If you're a sustaining member making ongoing monthly gifts, thank you. And how about making today the day you increase your support of WPR by, say, $5, $10 a month, whatever amount you choose, at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. Lacey and Boscobel says, Rob and his guests give us a great window on the issues affecting the citizens both of Wisconsin and the world. Lacey, thank you so much. Glad you are there with us as we as we find out what's going on in the world, how it affects us, Lacey gets it that uh, we count on Lacey to support and all of you to support these conversations. You can do that right now. Get that dollar for dollar match on your gift online at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. And thank you so much for joining the Wisconsin Public Radio team. Central Time. I'm Rob Ferret. Coming up, incarceration rates in the U.S. are declining, but there are still big racial disparities. We'll talk to the author of a new study of Wisconsin prisons. First, it's the Wisconsin Public Radio Fall Member Drive, and Strange Champs is in the studio with me. Listener contributions, your contributions are the biggest source of funding here at Wisconsin Public Radio. Your gift keeps all the great conversations and news on the air. Make your gift right now online at WPR.org or call 888-202-2552. And Rob, good news. We have something special going on this hour. We've got a dollar-for-dollar match in effect right now. So current members, including a member in Unity, have offered to double Mm -hmm. the amount that listeners give during this hour up to... $2,500 
$2,600. So we have about $2,300 left of that challenge to match. That is an opportunity for you, if you are listening right now, to get in and double the amount you give. It's a rare opportunity. We also really don't want to leave that money sitting on the floor or the table or whatever the expression is. So please. In the garbage. Uh, yeah. We definitely don't want to. <laughs> no, definitely not. Don't put money in the garbage. Uh, give right now at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. Let's get a sense of urgency on that. We were off to a great start in the hour. Things have slowed down a little. We definitely want to take full advantage of that very generous matching mm -hmm. gift from current members. Now, maybe... Uh, maybe you've listened to Wisconsin Public Radio and you've heard a, a news story or conversation here on Central Time or to the best of our knowledge and think, I never thought about that or I never thought <laughs> about that in right. that way before. I think that's mm -hmm. a pretty common experience, right? Listening to Wisconsin Public Radio. You get lots of new insights, lots of points of view uh, thanks to the teams, the, the the producers and the hosts and the work that goes into it here uh, in our local programs, the national ones as well. Well, what makes that happen? You do. WPR is listener-supported, and that means that you make these thought-provoking programs possible when you give at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. So many people come forward during these pledge drives to help fund the programs that they listen to. If you are one of them, thank you for being a Wisconsin Public Radio listener. Thank you for being a member. Remember, it is that listener support, your support, that makes this such an unparalleled resource in Wisconsin and beyond. Because WPR is your radio home or maybe your online listening home. Support it now. Make the news, conversations, and music possible with your first ever gift. Maybe $10 a month or $20 a month at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. Today only, ask for the exclusive WPR keychain when you lock in your support for Wisconsin Public Radio with a gift of $8 a month. WPR listeners, you play a key role in making the trustworthy news and quality entertainment we all rely on possible. With an embroidered patch that features a radio tower and a shout-out to your favorite public radio station, this key ring isn't just a good way to keep all your keys together, it's a way to proudly show off your support for WPR's essential public service. It's only available today, so make your gift of $8 a month now. Here's how. Make that very important gift and grab your own keychain online at WPR.org or call 888-202-2552. It's the fall member drive here at Wisconsin Public Radio. Rob Ferret here with Ann Strainchaps on Central Time. The WPR programs you enjoy are possible thanks to your support. Your gift of $10 a month, $100 a month, whatever amount you choose, makes a big difference for, for our entire community. You know, it's funny. Most things that you spend money on, you really don't have much choice about. You know, you fill up your gas tank, it's going to cost whatever gonna it charge costs. They're going to charge or price, you know, the price of a gallon of milk. It's really not going to change that much. But public radio, you pay what you can afford based on how much you listen. That's right. Uh, you can choose the amount. We don't, uh, we don't come over and shut your radio off if you don't give. Uh, but when you do give, you keep that radio on for yourself and for everybody else around the state and beyond. Make your gift right now at WPR.org or call 888-202-2552. When you become a, a giver, you are joining 50,000 individuals and households, people all around this state, who choose to support Wisconsin Public Radio. They've made that choice. Now you can, too. And that's how Wisconsin Public Radio works. Join this amazing 
years-long, decades-long team effort with your gift right now. $5 a month, $10 a month. You pick the amount, and then you make your gift at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. And if we're sounding a little urgent, it's because that dollar-for-dollar match is still in effect. We have about $2,300 left to match to raise. So give now at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. It means your support will go twice as far. Get that dollar-for-dollar match. Uh, Get the new WPR keychain when you give $8 a month or more today only. A lot of great reasons to give to Wisconsin Public Radio to support the great programming, of course. A couple of good reasons to give right now. Get your, your get your gift matched dollar for dollar. Grab that keychain. Give online at WPR.org or call 888-202-2552. And thank you so much for supporting Wisconsin Public Radio. This is Central Time. I'm Rob Ferrett. Black men in Wisconsin are incarcerated at a significantly higher rate than white men, but that disparity is starting to go down. A new study from researchers at UW-Madison published in the journal Demography found that overall incarceration rates have decreased over the last 20 years and are decreasing the fastest for black men. The trend is signaling a shift away from mass incarceration for younger generations. But there's still concerns about those racial disparities that can lead to inequitable outcomes for a lot of people of color. Wisconsin remains the state with the largest disparity between black and white male incarceration. Jason Roby is one of the co-authors of this new study, which he worked on as a graduate student at UW-Madison. He's now an assistant professor in the School of Criminal Justice at the University at Albany, SUNY. Jason, thanks a lot for joining us today. Thanks, Rob. I'm a longtime listener of Public Radio and Central Time. I'm excited to be here with you. Well, glad to have you with us. Now, we saw an, a, a huge trend toward more and more incarceration starting, I think, around the 70s. What are we seeing now? What kind of changes are we seeing in incarceration rates uh, here in Wisconsin in your new study? Yeah, so our study looks both at Wisconsin and nationally. And so you're exactly right. Uh, incarceration rates in the United States started increasing in the 1970s and and increased about sevenfold from the 1970s through uh, 2007 is when uh, incarceration rates peaked nationally in the United States, and they've declined by about 20% from 2007 to 2019. Um, but for black men, as, as you said earlier, uh, the incarceration rate, rate actually peaked earlier uh, in 2001 and has declined by about 45% from 2001 to 2019. Uh, and so, in, and also in, in Wisconsin, in particular, as the listeners might be interested, the incarceration rate for black men in Wisconsin peaked in 1999 and has declined by about 31%. Now, you are looking at the numbers in this report. Is there a sense of of why? Why are we seeing these incarceration rates going down? Yeah, so we don't, uh, in this particular paper, we don't analyze uh, why the the, the incarceration rates have started to decline, but we do review some of the previous research that helps provide some context for this. Um, In short, it's really happening throughout the process of the criminal justice system. So crime rates in the United States have declined substantially since the 1990s, about half of of what they were back then. Uh, Recent cohorts of youth in particular have lower rates of criminal behavior, drug use, alcohol use. Uh, Arrest rates have declined as well as uh, racial disparities in arrest rates. And there have also been declines in in racial disparities in in sentencing outcomes. And so it's really sort of throughout the the criminal justice process. I want to key in on something you just said, rates of crime, and as I understand it, violent crime in particular, lower for youth these days than they used to be. Now, I think a lot of time 
a lot of the time when we start a sentence, kids these days, we're going to say something bad after that. <laughs> this seems good to me and something that people aren't really that aware of, Jason. Yes, exactly. So, you know, recent cohorts of youth, sort of however you want to look at it, are, are exhibiting lower rates of criminal behavior, either self-reported criminal behavior or arrest rates, uh, much lower rates of drug use overall, and youth alcohol consumption has actually declined by about 50% in the last 30 years. Now, let's look more at the disparity. And we're looking at the prison population here in particular. Uh, can you talk about just the how wide the disparity is between black men and white men in prisons, even after, as you mentioned, the, the faster decline in incarceration for black men? Yeah, so in, in 1999, the disparity in incarceration rates between black men and white men was about nine to one. Uh, and after this you know, period of decline, uh, it's about six to one in 2019. So still a large uh, disparity, but we're also you know, at the lowest point of disparities that we've seen in decades. And I'll note that this decline in disparity was actually larger for women overall. Um, so black women in 1999 were about nine times more likely to be imprisoned uh, than white women. Uh, in 2019, that's about two to one. So the disparities are declining both for, for black men and for black women as well. Now, you also slice this up in different ways. I want to look at black men in particular here. You looked at the change in the likelihood that a, a given cohort of black men uh, would end up in prison. Well, how has that changed over the years? The, the numbers are, are kind of shocking. Yeah, so uh, the, people might be familiar with this estimate that gets you know, used in the media and in political speeches sometimes that one in three black men would go to prison at some point in their life. And we find that that was true uh, among black men who were born in 1981. About one in three would be uh, in prison by, had been to prison by age 38. Um, but for black men who were born in 2001, however, we estimate that about 18% or one in five will go to prison by age 38 if the current incarceration rates remain stable. But if incarceration rates continue to decline, that estimate that one in five will go to prison may end up being even lower than that. So in other words, the risk of going to prison for black men was cut nearly in half in just 20 years. Talking to Jason Roby, a co-author of a study that came out of UW-Madison looking at uh, incarceration rates and racial disparities here in Wisconsin and around the country. He's now an assistant professor in the School of Criminal Justice at the University at Albany, SUNY. Uh, Jason, uh, that one in three number, now that's gone down, but but you write in this report about that almost being a, a milestone, a common life event for black men, and at, at earlier points, a greater likelihood that a, a given black man would end up in prison than graduating from college, that is a number, no, another number that has, has flipped over the course of the period you research. Yes, exactly. So uh, among black men who were turning 25 in 2009, about 17% had been to prison and about 13% had graduated college. But just 10 years later in 2019, this had completely flipped. About 12% of 25-year-old black men had been to prison and about 18% had graduated college with a bachelor's degree. So both in overall terms and, and relative to other sort of life experiences, incarcerations has declined for recent cohorts. And I should note that, that that's not, you know, based on projecting out into the future or making any sort of fancy statistical adjustments. These are, you know, estimates for real groups of, of, of young men based on, on when they were born and when they were turning 25. Now, we're looking at big picture numbers here, but you make clear in the report uh, incarceration has a serious effect on a person's life. What do we know about some of the long-lasting impacts of, of that person who ends up in prison? 
Yeah, so this has been a really uh, big topic for research for the last uh, 20 years or so. So we know that people who have been to prison tend to have worse health outcomes, uh, lower rates of employment afterwards. They face uh, extreme discrimination in, in the labor market in general. Uh, and in general, it just affects virtually every uh, aspect of life, uh, lower rates of of participation in, in democratic things like voting and in many states uh, people who've been to prison are restricted from uh, voting and so in in general it affects uh, basically every aspect of life now, a big question that i think is a little bit beyond the scope of of your this particular report but i'm wondering if you have thoughts on it the relationship if any between incarceration rates right how many people you end up uh, putting in in prison and the actual crime rates yeah, so in general, uh, in, in over this period, we've seen that both have been declining. Uh, so incarceration rates, like I said, nationally peaked in about 2007. Crime rates peaked in about 1991. And so, at, you know, at some point, there has to be a, a relationship between crime and people going to prison. Uh, and, and that's generally what we've seen is that as crime rates have declined significantly in the last 30 years, incarceration rates have, have started to decline as well. And as incarceration rates have declined, we haven't seen an uptick in crime really at the national level. Um, so in general, you know, we can reduce incarceration while, while still reducing crime rates as well. Jason, people might hear then say, well, wait a minute, haven't I heard about increases in some violent crime, including homicide over the COVID year? And, and for some urban areas, at, at rural and suburban areas too, we have seen an uptick after those years of decline since the 90s. Uh, how does that fit into that that longer term story? Yeah, so that's an excellent point. Uh, homicide rates in particular did increase uh, nationally and, and in many uh, cities across the country uh, during COVID, but they were still quite a bit lower than they were when they peaked in the 1990s. Um, and overall rates of violent crime actually didn't increase too much uh, nationally. Uh, and similarly with property crimes, uh, if you look at the trends in property crimes, they didn't actually tick up that much during uh, the COVID uh, pandemic or in the last two years. Uh, there were some increases for particular kinds of crime like uh, motor vehicle thefts um, in particular, but in general rates remain much, much lower than they were in the 90s. Jason, I won't ask you to predict the future, but what big questions uh, are on your mind as we as we watch for what happens in the years to come? Yeah, I won't try to predict the future, but I will say that what we see generally is that the declines in incarceration have been the starkest for young individuals in particular, particularly for young black men. So for black men aged uh, 20 to 24, the incarceration rate over this period declined by 66%. And so in, in demographic terms, we refer to this as population momentum towards potentially accelerating this decline in incarceration rates overall, and also in the lifetime risks of incarceration as this sort of younger cohort that we talked about who have really low rates of criminal behavior and arrest and are now also experiencing lower rates of criminal justice contact in their youth. We expect that those individuals and those young cohorts would probably have even lower incarceration rates than the current, you know, uh, individuals who are older than them. And Jason, if a, a state lawmaker were listening and wondering, okay, what's my takeaway here for this information? What what kind of things would you want to highlight in this report? I mean, really, it depends on the state. And one of the things we find is that this trend has been pretty consistent across all of the states. So every state has seen some decline in black male incarceration rates in the last uh, 20 years. 
in 27 states, that decline was at least 40%. And so really uh, what states should most likely be doing is looking to what they've been doing over the last 20 years. And, and this, the, because we've seen these you know, significant declines over the last 20 years, this suggests that some of the things that we've been doing and some of the adjustments and policies that we've been passing and making in, in, in the criminal justice system over the last 20 years have actually been working to some extent. Um, and so if we're looking for where to go in the future with the future policies, the past might give us some, some indications of where to go. Jason, thanks again for joining us today. Thank you very much, Rob. It was a pleasure to join you. That's Jason Roby, assistant professor in the School of Criminal Justice at the University at Albany, SUNY. He was with us today to share a new study on declining incarceration rates in Wisconsin and around the world. Oh, sorry, around the country, I should say. Now to the Wisconsin Public Radio Fall Member Drive and Strange Champs joins me in the studio. Our goal is to keep bringing you topics like that conversation, a very important research into how many people end up in prison and racial disparities in who ends up in prison. Your support makes that happen because listener support is the largest source of funding for WPR programs. Give now. Any amount makes a difference online at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. And a big finish here on this challenge match. How are we doing? All right. Here's your update. Are you ready? We have about $1,400 left to be matched. So we are a little over halfway, four minutes to go. That uh, We can absolutely do this if you who are listening decide that you would like to double your support for Wisconsin Public Radio by taking part in this challenge grant. It's from current members, including a member in Unity, and they are offering to double the amount you contribute up to a total of $1,400 is what we've got left. 1400 your contribution could be one of those at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. Think about the conversations we're having today. This look at important research on uh, prisons and who goes to prison and declining rates of imprisonment uh, in Wisconsin and around the country. Uh, coming up, we'll visit with a cool orchestra project at UW-Green Bay. We've got an update on the latest COVID booster from a Wisconsin expert. Think about that variety, that interesting and often useful information you can count on all the time from Wisconsin Public Radio. Wisconsin Public Radio is, of course, listener-supported, which means that your donation right here makes the many topics you tune in for every day possible. Choose an amount that works for you and then make your gift at WPR.org, or you can call and talk to a real person on the phone, 888-202-2552. Get that gift matched, and today only ask for the new WPR keychain when you give 8 bucks a month or more. It's got an embroidered radio tower patch. It'll keep your keys together and show off your support for WPR. Make that gift. That's today only to get the keychain at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. Wisconsin Public Radio wakes me up every morning. Mostly I just enjoy the morning programming and the afternoon programming. I became a sustaining member because I felt so guilty with all the pledge drives. Because they're so logical and they're so persistent. It's crucial that we have people support it so we don't lose it. I'm Sarah from Wausau. Join me as a sustainer of Wisconsin Public Radio. You can do that at WPR.org or call 888-202-2552 during this fall member drive. Central Time, Rob Parrott here with Ann Strainchamps. 
Listener support is a big source of funding, the biggest source of funding for Wisconsin Public Radio, and you can get your gift matched dollar for dollar for the next, like, two, three minutes if you give right now (laughs) at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. And as we said before, we do not want to leave $1,400 just sitting around there, so step up. Um, become a listener. You first joined Wisconsin Public Radio's community as a listener, maybe tuning in every few days and more often. After a while, though, it is time to join this community as a donor, and you can do that today at WPR.org or by calling 888 888- Two zero two two five five two. Just got a few hundred more dollars toward oh. that match goal. We can do it. Uh, your gift will keep being counted into the news to get that dollar for dollar match. I think we could do it if you make your gift right now. WPR.org or 888-202-2552. All right. Just about $1,000 left to go. Remember that special thank you gift. Ask for your limited edition WPR keychain available today only along with an embroidered patch. Shout out to your favorite public radio station. Ask for yours, but more important, ask to make your contribution and to double your money at WPR.org or 888-202-2552. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it right now. Give, get your gift match, WPR.org or 888-202-2552. And thank you.